Okay, so last time we recorded, we went like insanely over time, right? We did. Like insanely. Like we rambled for two hours. So I understand that you had to cut it down. Yeah. The problem is (laughs) you cut out the very first, like the origin of the joke where you called me a special boy. (laughs) But you never cut out that. Any of the other instances where I refer to myself as a special boy. (laughs) So every listener thinks that just halfway through the episode, I decided I was a special boy and referred to myself as such. Just because I cut it out doesn't mean that I didn't think it. I don't I don't go around naming myself self (laughs) special boy is just the thing I want people to know here. Okay. Just just to reiterate, uh, Matt doesn't think himself as a special boy. I think of him as a special, precious, cute little blonde-headed goblin. Is that that better? I'm like uh, like Dennis the Menace, but 37 years old. Everyone, pushing up roses here. Welcome back to Save Your Game, where we, as in me and special boy Matt Aukamp, discuss <laughs> adventure games. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going? How have you been? I'm good. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm a little thrown because uh, this this started with a call out to me and my editing prowess. Well, yeah, I just I think I feel like I had to set the record straight. Because otherwise, I come off like the biggest fucking weirdo that the world <laughs> has ever known. So that I think that was just you were uh, collateral damage in that. Well, now I'm going to make up for it every okay. single episode by calling you synonyms of you know special and precious and and all those <laughs> oh, things. Jesus, I my uh, precious little boy. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> The best podcast in the world, naturally. Hey, I want to say to the listeners, holy shit, you guys, we record these things a week ahead of time, at least right now. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, right now we are. Who knows if that'll last? Yeah, exactly. But uh, we just put up the trailer uh, like two days ago, and within 24 hours, we had well over a thousand downloads. That's that's amazing. You guys are cool. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the show. We're incredibly glad to have you. I think our trailer was amazing. And that probably had a lot. I, you know what? I bet it was so amazing that people watched it several times. Watched it. I'm so used to doing YouTube videos. Listen to it. Listen to it several times over. They played it in Winamp and watched the weird visualizers <laughs> doing like the psychedelic lava Ooh, lamp shit. fun. What have you been playing lately, Roses? Listen, I need you to hear me out. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So as you know, because I think I told you personally, Matt, I never played the update to Stardew Valley, and now I am. And I'm upset because I used my new update to throw the shorts into the luau pot. (laughs) (laughs) It started out funny, but then it got yeah. really not funny. <laughs> and when when you're talking, when you say the update, you mean yeah. 1.5. You're talking about the one with the 
with uh, Ginger Island. It's got Ginger Island, and it's yes. got the new boy. What's the new boy's name? Leo. Leo. Leo, the new boy. He's a precious um, boy. He's the like wild you. boy. The <laughs> wild just, boy. He just runs around in shorts with crazy hair. I need you all to know that even though I am a spooky darkling, I was very upset at putting the shorts in the pot because, like, at first it was kind of funny, but then Mayor Lewis was like, you have degraded all of us and this community. I am so disappointed. And I'm like, I am feeling negative about this. (laughs) Supposedly, if you put the shorts in the Grange display... You, if you save them and put them in your uh, Grange display, he will also be like, okay, fine, you win. Is this, does this make you happy? He'll like give you money for it. Yeah. Yeah. And he like, and he like what, whatever you do with the shorts besides just give it to him, he'll make you feel incredibly bad for it. The Lua was the worst, though. I'll say I this. Play I told you, to you good stuff. I told you you could do it. I didn't tell you. Oh, and then I'm not to supposed do to do it? it? You can't I, you can't tell me something I could do and then expect me to not give in to the temptations. I'm into Penny. Who is who's your Uh Elliot's my boy. Yeah. I believe you referred to him as a slut. He acts like kind of a slut. Hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's actually me who is the slut. Because <laughs> in my <laughs> in my previous game. Definitely made uh, use of some of those obelisks, the magic, the magic things. So I would romance everybody and then marry them and then divorce them and then wipe their memory and then do it again. (laughs) (laughs) What I do is I I date everybody and get them all to like the proposal stage. Uh huh. And uh, and then I just choose Penny at the end. (laughs) Matt. Okay, we gotta stop talking about Stardew Valley. What else did you Sorry. play? I, I'm just saying I love Elliot, and I'm I'm excited for the updates. So beyond that, beyond shipping away at that, upon many recommendations, I played Hobbs Barrow, uh, or AKA the excavation of Hobbs Barrow. Hell yeah! Yeah, um, published by Wadjadai, my good friends over at Wadjadai, and now I forgot the, the developer. Matt, help me out here. Cloak and Dagger games. Of course. Yeah, Cloak and Dagger games. That's right. So I don't think I had ever played a game uh, by Cloak and Dagger. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I'm just going to be completely honest and transparent. When I saw screen caps of this game, I was feeling uh, not good about it. I, I It made me feel negative, And I didn't like I didn't like the screenshots. But upon playing it, all of the art makes sense in movement. Like, do you agree? Like, screenshots don't, I don't think they do it justice. I don't think I was as affected. So, for the listeners, it's pixel art. The characters and the scenes are, like, what I would consider gorgeous pixel art in a palette that you just, a color palette you just don't normally see. Everything's kind of muted and... Mm -hmm. Earthy, I guess. Earthy. Yeah. Misty. um, But... The close-ups are horrific looking. <laughs> they are. <laughs> All the characters look, you know, kind of hideous, maybe even slightly deformed. Um, but yeah. And I don't know if that is a 
person who had an idea in their head and it didn't fully come out on the screen or if it's done intentionally either way it has the effect of making the game just slightly more eerie the entire time and i think it's very yeah. effective i think i i really think it's purposeful i really do um now that i have played through it and i've seen all the scenes uh should i give a brief uh yeah. little description of what it's about great yeah so if you like folk horror, you will like the excavation. I don't know why I'm sounding like I'm selling it. You will like the excavation of Hobbs Barrow. It's very much inspired by movies like The Wicker Man, Midsummer, and the dev also mentioned a little bit, a little bit of Twin Peaks in there as well. HP Lovecraft as well. I wasn't getting the Twin Peaks vibe, but I was heavily getting the HP Lovecraft yeah. uh, Wicker Man vibes. So you are playing an excavator named thomasina bateman she's awesome great voice right. acting by the way thomasina is such a funny name to me i love it i'm sure that there are real people in the real world with the name thomasina but it just it feels like <laughs> uh like a sketch comedian <laughs> who's just like adding a, a feminine ending to a male name and it's like i'm <laughs> thomasina like <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm joseph ella like you're in, it's like you're in like a sitcom type of a setting, and you need to come up with a fake name real quick. Right, my name is Thomas. Uh, oh wait, I'm supposed to be a girl. Uh, Thomasina. <laughs> well, it is set in Victorian times. I did not look this up, but I wonder. I kind of wondered if Thomasina was a more prominent name in the Victorian era. I'm not really sure. It's strangely fit, even though I had kind of a good chuckle over her name at first. <laughs> but yeah, you were playing as her. She is an excavator. You are called to this. A small English town named Bewley, where somebody wants you to excavate a barrow named Hobbs Barrow. Bewley. Bewley. Everyone's Bateman. yeah, Miss Bateman. Everyone is great in in these roles. By the way, everyone is uh, British, which is great. I voice casting is spectacular. Yeah, phenomenal, game. phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I was blown away. So you get to this small town and. That's when it kind of gets very, uh, kind of very Wicker Man, very H.P. Lovecraft. This town seems to have a secret. Uh, some people seem to know something kind of horrific about Hobbs Barrow and why maybe you shouldn't excavate this site. Because uh, as we find out in the game, her father ex tried to excavate this site 25 years prior with somebody else and bad things happened when they excavated this. And I just love... I love I love a town with a secret. <laughs> right. I love like a culty, weird town where some people are good, right? Because I you got that sense. You didn't think everyone was in on this, right? You you would say that there are good characters. It's hard to say because there are characters who at the beginning they tell you they don't know what Hobbs Barrow is, and then later they're like, oh, I was feeling guilty. I do know what Hobbs Barrow is, and I'm sorry, but Yeah. That was the it's, innkeeper, and I think he is just one of the untrustworthy ones. I think you find an ally in, like, some of the characters. What I'm saying about that innkeeper, though, is he seems like a guy who was trying to keep a secret and then ended up being good. And then you find out a little later he's got more secrets that he's also been keeping. Exactly. Um, so it left me at the end of the game wondering if even the characters that I thought I could trust um, maybe were a little shadier than I thought. 
yeah there there came a point where i didn't where i no longer trusted the innkeep and i really only trusted there's a character named arthur tillett um mm -hmm. he becomes your ally and maybe the um the the witchy lady i'm not sure what what to call her, her name is mother mildred she's not quite a witch but she dabbles in like holistic medicine so what so just overall what did you how did you feel about this game i loved it um truly truly love this game i've never played a game that was so slow paced but also enjoyable and yeah. that's kind of why i compare it to the wicker man a little bit it's very slow paced but on purpose it's very narrative heavy right um, it does have many puzzles, but I would still say that it's quite narrative heavy, quite dialogue heavy, but I listened to every dialogue tree, uh, cause I thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. The puzzles, I think personally, I, I know there's people who disagree, I think are perfect and we'll get more into that maybe in a, in a different segment. I yeah. think, I think this is proving that we both have a lot to say about it. There's like a lot I'm holding back and I'm sure there is for you too. So, uh, yeah. I think maybe we should do an entire episode dedicated to this. Yeah, we shall. And that'll give people, that'll give listeners a chance to like play it. And, yeah. and then they'll, you, maybe you guys can get in on the conversation. Um, the ending seems to be polarizing to people. It is for me. Right, very, very divisive. But I will say this for the game. It's very faithful to folk horror, you know? I don't think it has the worst ending. It is not, but it is not a happy ending. Let's just put it that way. And you right. you kind of know that. I mean, the story is told through Thomasina and she keeps foreshadowing that bad, th bad things have happened here and there's no going back. So right. it's not like you don't know that, but throughout you still kind of root for a happy ending. I was, I was rooting for her. So that's what I've been playing. I've been playing Stardew Valley and Hobbs Barrow, which it sounds like we have a lot to say and we'll cover uh, later on. What have you been playing this week, Matt? I've been playing a game called Blood Nova. Okay. It's, uh, it was released in, I think, 2022, and it's by Cosmic Void. It's mm -hmm. a uh, Cosmic Void and Ross Joseph Gardner, who's like a comic book writer. It's a pixel art game. It's this like futuristic space magic uh <laughs> like this very fantastical sci-fi world it's a point and click adventure game your first person kind of like the old uh, manhunter games oh were. yeah i remember that yeah uh where the scene in front of you is kind of static and you're kind of clicking around yeah yeah that was uh that was a definite genre <laughs> at, right. at one point yeah just like a graphically a slightly less graphically intense version of point and clicks where you have like a a guy walking around the screen so it is um, fully static you are you are not this is first person fully static right there's yeah there's very few animations okay that happen sort of in front of you oftentimes if something changes the screen sort of fades out for a second and then the, it fades back up and the thing has been changed. It's not 100% like that. There are some animations, but just very few. Uh, the story is you are Princess <laughs> Princess Love is your name. Oh, oh Princess um, Love. Yeah, it's got a very, like, gem in the holograms kind of vibe. Ooh. Your mother, the queen, just abdicated the throne in a very controversial way. Um, and your nation's 
like the the nations of the universe like it's a, like a star faring uh civilization are at war there's like a a rebellion happening and the emperor empire is trying to quash the rebellion and you find out very early on this isn't spoiling anything you find out that your empire has been supplying weapons to the warlords who have been oppressing certain planets like it, it, there's a whole political uh, oh. horrific thing going on but you just found yourself suddenly in control of this entire world this entire universe this is like a a stop on your way to take the throne you are at a what they call a lighthouse which is a like a space station post outside of this um kind of like wormholey stargate thing uh they call it a star <laughs> uh-huh. tunnel i think or starport you're hanging out outside the starport with your friend you go back in and you find that everybody in this lighthouse is dead Ooh, so is this a scary game is this horror um, there's some horrific elements to it. I wouldn't call it a horror game. Okay. Um, there's some s- scary things to it, and it's definitely a thriller. But I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it I'd sounds call like it a thriller a- for sure. I don't know if I'd call it a horror because it seems like there's been an assassination attempt, and because you were outside at the time, they missed you. So you're trying to figure out. Uh, First of all, who tried to kill you? You're trying to save who you can that's still alive on the space station. You're trying to uncover whatever conspiracy your mother was a part of. It's uh, very, again, it's very magical and very sci-fi. Some things about it. The first puzzle is hilarious, actually. It's like, uh, it's like sort of making fun of the idea of point and click puzzles. Like you find a gem yeah. And you find a a like a rod, and mm-hmm. you and your uh, it's hard to tell. She's your bodyguard, but she also might be your romantic interest. Are locked outside of the space station at first, and you're trying to break your way in. And she's like, "Okay, well, I know how to get in, but if you want to be the one to do it, go ahead." <laughs> and so again, you find this gem. You find. <laughs> This rod, you connect them, and you decide it's a magic wand, and then you use it on the console, and she's, you're like, oh, it didn't do anything, and she's like, it's okay, I already hacked the console, we can go nice. in whenever you want. <laughs> so it's just like, Combine teaches... everything with everything. Exactly. It teaches you how to play the game at the same time, it's sort of just like mocking the idea yeah. of point-and-click puzzles. There's also another funny thing in it where the first time you come across a dead body, you have to loot it. And it's kind of horrific. And your character's like, I don't want to do this, um, but I have to. And then Mm. subsequently, every other dead body you come across, (laughs) you have to loot. And so she's every single time like, oh, my God, I said I wasn't going to do this. I've been doing this to every single person. (laughs) I love looting bodies, though. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I love that mechanic. I'm so desperate. In adventure games especially, I'm desperate to find cool stuff when right. I loot, loot a corpse, you know? So it's a, it's a game that is, it's small, you know, it's small. I think it only takes like three hours or four hours to complete. It uh, is only like 30 or probably 30 or 40 rooms in total. Okay. And, but it feels 
humongous. It feels huge. The consequences of these small things you're doing and things you're learning ripple out across this entire universe and maybe mm-hmm. even into like a cosmic uh, magical... Void? A cosmic void? <laughs> <laughs> I said the thing! So it's a game about... Uh, <laughs> It's a game about, you know, realizing your place in the world. It's a game about um, confronting tradition. And it's really cool. Check it out. It's called Cosmic Void. Sorry. That's the name Blood of the Nova. company. It's called Blood Oh, I put, it, I put it in your head now. Yeah. You poisoned me. You poisoned <laughs> me like I'm on an interstellar lighthouse. <laughs> so that's what I've been playing. Uh, Roses. Yes. Do we want to move on to our next segment where we talk about... Havsbarrow. (laughs) Stardew Valley for an hour. Um, I can. We're going to be trying to give like our essential adventure games. If you don't know anything about the genre, here's where you start. Look, I don't know about my list. I am second guessing (laughs) the list that I put together, but... I'm going to say it anyway. So I just wanted to let you know that this already comes with a warning. Like, you know what? I'm not sure. I might amend it or I might keep it the way it is. Okay. we'll, We'll talk about it right after this break. everyone we're back did you have a good break yeah did you enjoy yourself (laughs) i mean i had a drink i fidgeted with a paintbrush oh yeah oh uh i was talking to the listener (laughs) i was asking you how your break was (laughs) so what we're gonna do here in this segment is we want to talk about we want to try to compile a list of like 10 essential adventure games that if you don't know the genre or if you do and you're not sure if you've played uh, all everybody's, you know, standard reference points, maybe. Mm-hmm. Here's 10 games that will uh, catch you up to speed. Maybe we'll debate a little bit. Maybe I think we, we will... are going to debate because I'm looking at these notes and I'm not sure I agree. <laughs> maybe Although we'll in my notes. Some of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yours are pretty interesting. Okay, uh, yeah. who's who do you want to who's who's going to start here? I I will start. Okay, I will start. Okay, listen. Oh no! Here's the thing, right? I know we all yeah. kind of rib on the King's Quest games because they are very very difficult. But I think if you want to have a good idea of how graphic adventures started, especially graphic with the text parser, with Probably animation. Probably play something other than King's Quest. That's not where I was going with that. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I, I, look, my first entry is King's Quest 1, the OG, because wow. I, I really think that even though it is a very difficult game, mm-hmm. it is also just a great introduction of how things started out you know king's quest one did so many innovative things 
when you first start playing, it's like you've never seen a world like this before. And yeah, I know we're all kind of spoiled on modern games, but this is really how it started. It started out for me like this. For some people, it started just text only. But I think we really expanded when the world was shown through graphics. I think you're right. I think the idea of like the idea of seeing the world really changed the game in uh, literally in some pretty <laughs> intense ways. And I yes. think King's Quest One is an incredibly important game as far as if this is this a game you need to play to understand the genre. That's where I'm a little more hesitant because it is definitely it's a, again it's a good history lesson. Sure. But is it a fun play? Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. We didn't say top ten fun games. We said top ten essential games. Right. <laughs> I just I just think it's yeah. important to know where it came from, and you may like it. You may actually. I was one of those people who did like the the Sierra games that I did spend a lot of time on. So I do think that people should give that genre of an adventure game a chance, see where it came from and see if they like it. You know, I would almost actually suggest something like uh black cauldron. Oh, I hated that game. Well, the thing about that game is it's got, it's very similar to King's quest in that it's 2d. It's very blocky pixel art and it's got a text mm-hmm. parser, but it's different in King's than King's quest in that, it's a lot harder to die, and there aren't dead ends in it. I want people to die. <laughs> <laughs> Context. Again, we've talked about this before. You can play for hours and then find out that something you did at the very beginning was wrong and that you just can't win the game. You, have to you know what? So be it. Look, just use a walkthrough, people. Like trying to climb the beanstalk? Yeah. <laughs> Are just, they're just a little bit beyond uh, (laughs) conscionable in 2024. What about, what about the remake, the point and click remake of King's Quest One? Then you can kind of, you get a sense for who King Graham is, what what Daventry is. These are important. So if you're interested in the history of King's Quest One, yeah, check out the AGD remake. If you are a masochist, check out the original King's Quest One. Yeah. If you hate yourself, as I do, go ahead and play King's Quest 1, the original. Okay, so speaking of old games, right, that that set mm-hmm. up the history of adventure games, I'm going to start with uh, my first one is Secret of Monkey Island. It's still funny. It's still beautiful. It's pixel art. Um, it's point and click. Uh, it's got the verb menu at the bottom where you select between you select pick up uh, and then click on the thing you want to pick up you select I I think it even has things that barely had any use like Mm -hmm. open close turn on turn off yeah (laughs) it it, it, you were not going to use all those verbs ever the word use works in all those scenarios and (laughs) and it does in the game you can do use light switch I don't know if there's a light switch in probably a light switch but <laughs> I, I maybe i'm thinking of like maniac mansion where there's light oh there's switches definitely and there's a, switches in maniac mansion and there's the word turn on and turn off you can do use light switch and it still works so like <laughs> yeah. i don't necessarily know that that was an efficient use of space but it's interesting uh to see the verbs it's still a funny game it 
breezes by. I, I think it gets a little slow when you get yeah. to Monkey Island. Um, but before and after actually being on Monkey Island is still just like some of the best times mm-hmm. I've ever had in a video game. And I still play it. I do think it is a little difficult, so I would not be offended if anybody really needed to use a guide. You cannot right. die in this game, and when I say die, I what I really mean is you can't get yourself in an unwinnable situation, unlike the Sierra games where you can very much mess up, but that doesn't mean that it's an easy game, if that makes sense. There is one scenario in Monkey Island where you can die, and it is one of the funniest things <laughs> that I've also ever seen in a video game. And you don't actually die. Well, yeah, I guess you, you do. Can. You do. Yeah. You have to, yeah. if you don't, if you have not saved the game you're right. in the 10 minute span where you're slowly dying, <laughs> yes, you will that's have true. to reload an older save. That is true. I think the great thing about uh, Secret of Monkey Island for beginners is, is the world building. It right. really just, it's just so gorgeous. It just really looks beautiful and mysterious. Right. And the character feels so cool and so good. Like you, Guybrush Threepwood is sort of an everyman in a sense, but on another level, he's sort of like a, I think of him like a Don Quixote type, right? I think of Guybrush Threepwood as a guy <laughs> who read about pirates and fell in love with pirates without ever understanding <laughs> what it was like to be a pirate or why. Yeah. A person would or would not be a pirate and so he's just he just shows up at this island he's like i want to be a pirate and they're like okay um and like, like, okay what are your uh qualifications he's like i can hold my breath for 10 minutes 10 minutes <laughs> it's such a like childish view this such like immature view of the concept of piracy yeah. and the reality of his own situation and uh He's just such a darling, lovable, perfect, sweet boy, and I love very Guybrush lovable. He's a pre- he's just a precious little boy. <laughs> no, okay, I love Guybrush. Guybrush is great. Let's move on to your your second game. Mine is actually this is a good segue. Mine is actually the Curse of Monkey Island. Uh, it was one. It, I think it was the first Monkey Island game I played, and I found it at a Babbage's. And this was uh, this might actually be the first LucasArts game I played, which is wow. wild to me. Right. Because I, I think I played it before Grim Fandango. So I picked up Curse of Monkey Island at a Babbage's. The art style intrigued me. And it was one of the funniest games I think I've ever played. It's up there with Grim Fandango humor style. And what I really like about it is I really do think that the puzzles are more balanced and leveled. They are more logical than Secret and like the second Monkey Island as well. And it's just so funny that the voice acting is amazing. Guybrush is taken to a, a new level of his character development. I, uh, I, I yeah. love, I, I, and I know that Ron Gilbert, who is the original dev on Secret of Monkey Island, he is not involved in this game. So there are differences, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make it any less of a game and that's why i feel confident of putting it as a standalone because i think you don't have to play the other games to play this one it's such a wildly different game than secret of monkey island it changes it changes the whole tone it goes from this pixel art style to this saturday morning cartoon kind of style dominic armado's voice acting is 
incredible. Uh, It's hard now to go back to the first two games where there was no voice acting and read that dialogue without hearing Dominic's voice in your head. That was like my first character crush was Guybrush Threepwood in specifically in Curse with Dominic's amazing voice acting. And this might, that might've been, I don't know, full throttle might have predated this, but it might be the first use of the verb coin where you click Uh, on an object or you click on something in the background. A little coin shows up that asks you what you want to do. Like you can click on the hand or the eye. Um, I, I remember I had played Secret of Monkey Island a lot as a kid. And then I remember reading some sort of video game magazine and seeing advertisements for Curse of Monkey Island. And I was so excited to buy this game. I remember making my parents take me to where whatever the software store was at the mall and buying Curse of Monkey Island and being so excited. Like when I went to school the next day, I brought the manual because I just wanted to keep looking at it. Like I just wanted to engage. Oh my God. I did that too. I brought game manuals to school with me. We were not very cool, huh? No. (laughs) No one liked me. No. (laughs) I cannot agree more with oh thank you with curse of monkey island and it might be weird to have two monkey island games on the same but they are so so different both of them are essential to learn a very different things about what the appeal of adventure games is okay my next game mm-hmm. is and i i it's sort of I've become sort of a cliche on the internet for evangelizing for this game because oh uh, I can I cannot stop talking about how great this game is. Return of the Oberdin. I don't agree, but do go on. <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Oberdin is it, it was the start. It's by um, Lucas Pope, and it was released in 2018. It's the start of a sort of new whole new genre of adventure game i guess you could kind of say there were similar things beforehand with like the sherlock holmes consulting detective games mm-hmm. uh but what return of the Oberdin does is it gives you a scene it gives you a world and it doesn't give you puzzles right like you're not walking through and picking up inventory objects and using them to get past a a certain obstacle what it does is it gives you an entire book to fill out based on pure deduction all of the game like or half of the game rather happens in your brain so Mm -hmm. you are an insurance adjuster i guess who is called out to there's a shipping boat called the Oberdin that has just drifted into port and it's a ghost ship. Everybody's gone. Everybody's either gone or dead. Okay, I was going to say, are people dead or are they missing? I don't remember. Okay. And so the shipping company puts out an insurance claim for the lives of their sailors and their cargo and their ship and like for the loss of revenue. And so you're an insurance adjuster that has to board this ghost ship and try and figure out what happened. So you have a manifest, a blank manifest, where you have to figure out the names of every yes. of every person on board. You have to mm-hmm. figure out their position 
on the ship, and you have to figure out how they died. It's very Clue, isn't it? It's very very mystery, Clue, deduction kind of mechanic. Right, yeah, like Clue the board game, right? Yeah, yeah. where you, you have to look at all the evidence presented to you, and you have to really think about it. And oh, so. Yeah. It's this sort of vector, this pixely vector art. It's clearly made with modern technology, but then sort of dialed back into this like early Macintosh graphics. Yeah, and I think that's where the game lost me. Um, first of all, I got so stuck that I was deflated. I don't quite remember where I got stuck, but I was so deflated when I did get right. stuck. And the graphics, even though they're very artistic and cool, and I would normally be very attracted to graphics like that, it kind of hurt my eyes Interesting. <laughs> the game. Well, so the game does allow you to change. You can have the game be black and white. You can have the game be like a green and a darker green or like an amber, or you can change it to different colors, but it is monochromatic. Um, it is, meaning there's yeah. only two colors. There is the light color and the dark color, and that is it. And it's first person, and it's fully 3D, and you're walking around this ship, and there's, again, there's dead bodies around. And yes. you get this magical compass that you hold up. If you find a dead body, you can hold the magical compass up to it. It will take you back to the exact moment of that person's death, and you hear the sounds that were that that person heard in the last few moments of their life and mm -hmm. beyond that everything else is just still so you'll see a person midway through falling off the crow's nest or right. you'll see a cannonball that is impacting with the side of the ship and you'll see like the debris is floating in midair um and if you find somebody dead in that scene so you're in a scene in like Inception, like if you find somebody dead in that scene, you can use the compass on them and go back a step further. Oh, Lord. You, you find that uh, while the first few deaths are like, oh, okay, there was clearly a mutiny. There was clearly uh, some people tried to overthrow the command of the ship and killed the captain. Uh, you start going back steps and you're like, wait, something really strange is happening here. This person yeah. was not killed by human means. Right, because it's got a bit of an H.P. Lovecraftian influence, right? Yes. It really takes you to some wild places. Yeah. The amount of deduction you have to do in this game, it makes you feel like a genius when you solve something. <laughs> it will only tell you if you have... It, it will only tell you that you have something correct if you get three full entries complete. So you have to figure right. out three names, positions, and the way they died. So you can't guess right at that point no, correct you cannot unless these you, are not guesses unless you have most of that already fully known you can't just guess after that you can guess after that but you can't just guess and fill random things in it will not work it forces you to really solve the puzzles it, it, it takes the dream of adventure games and pushes it to its logical conclusion, right? Like you don't just you mm -hmm. don't just play a detective in the middle of a thriller. You are a detective. Yeah, in that in that way, it's it's a very good murder mystery yes. adventure game, which I think are very difficult games to design. You know, there's a lot of games that came out after Oberdin that really um followed its inspiration. Case of the Golden Idol is one. I would argue Paradise Killer is another. 
Chance of Sonar that just came out this past year. So this game has been highly influential. And I think especially if you're one to, if you want to look at the future of adventure games, I think Return of the Oberdin is where that future starts. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that entry. I don't like the game <laughs> for my own personal reasons, but I do like your argument for it, for it. Okay, Rose, what's your next game? Yeah, speaking of newer games, because yeah. that was definitely a more modern game, I actually put Unavowed on my list by Wadjidai. And I put it on there because when I played it, let's see, how old is Unavowed It's also 2018. Now? It's also, I was going to say, it's around the same time as Oberdin. That must have been a pretty good year uh, for <laughs> adventure games. I put that on there because I was blown away by how engaged I was with it and also how satisfying the puzzles were. This is a like fully written drama, thriller, adventure game, great narrative with also really, really good puzzles. Um, and you cannot mess up. You will not get, I mean, you can get stuck, but you will not mess up. There is no way to do this wrong. There's multiple choices you can make. Uh, you can, replayability is amazing. Uh, you can go in as different characters and get different dialogues. Uh, I actually have a small voice cameo in that game. Payola! So... Gamergate! <laughs> oh my God, no! <laughs> but yeah, if you if you heard me, in that game let me know because you do have to look for it but i just i was just blown away by how classic and modern it felt at the same time and I, I'm, I'm not saying these puzzles hold your hand right. or anything but they're very satisfying when you do figure them out wadjadai games is good at this taking the traditional point and click genre and sort of updating it into modern times they i mean starting with the blackwell games and you know, they published Excavation of Hobbs Barrow. Uh, Unavowed is very they good. They also published uh, Techno Babylon and Shardlight, which I have not played, but people speak very highly of. It's just interesting. They have their own identity, I think, Wajidai yeah. does. It's it's kind of how I wanted Sierra games to play. <laughs> you know, not, you know, more palatable, more uh, less frustrating, but still keep you know, a certain right. quality. So I, I think we've maybe had this conversation before, but there have been adventure games where I just want to skip this dialogue. It's just like going yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. Um, Discworld is one of them. And I love that game. Discworld, the adventure game is one of my favorites. It's also the hardest game I've ever played. But that dialogue, that will go on forever. You'll be clicking through tree after tree and it yeah. gets exhausting. So I much prefer kind of these newer games that have more terse, dialogue that is still very well acted cinematic dialogue as opposed to uh yeah. literary kind of dialogue yeah so did you put Discworld yeah, on yeah yeah my next word my next game is Discworld. no my next game is actually firewatch um i feel mm. like we Love definitely needed uh what are now there's a lot of debate about whether we should even use the term walking simulator because i it, the, I the know term was know. made to signify this idea of like, you know, people who can't fathom a game that doesn't have punching or shooting in it. Uh, those yeah. people trying to make fun of this genre of games. I think the term walking simulator is very funny uh, as a person who yeah. loves these sorts of games. I've heard them also described as first person narrative. 
adventure games, which is f- okay. Fine. That makes sense. Walking Simulator is now a genre that you can search yeah. games on on Steam. So I think even though it started as like we're mocking this genre, I think it was at this point you surfed. And now it's just a category of its own. That's how That's you, how I feel yeah. about it. And so I'm going to call this a walking simulator with absolute love. Um, Firewatch no. is a game where you are a guy who gets who's going through some rough times, personal times. And so you take a job in the wilds of I, I can't remember where it is. Uh Oh, it's Shoshone National Forest in uh, it's part oh, okay. of Yellowstone in it's in Wyoming. So you take a job out there to live in just some basically advanced treehouse. Yeah, the, for the entire summer, and you're just watching for fires and you're watching for anything that might cause a threat to the forest although i reported everything i saw i found a turtle i reported that i found a raccoon i reported that so i am on top of this so so that's like the premise but what the actual game is is you are developing a relationship with this your boss this woman who is also in this forest for the summer yeah, another dispatch. I guess yeah. a dispatcher watchtower person. And she's also yeah. here for her own personal reasons. Uh, and she has a history yeah. with this area. And so you're sort of uncovering the history. And there is a horror element to the game. There is a spooky mystery. And so there's like, yeah, there's this sort of really sad but really human love story. There's this really interesting mystery. I think if you want to understand these walking simulator games and what people like about them. Firewatch is probably the most accessible of them. There's always something to do. Uh, It moves very, it moves at a very nice pace. Uh, There's a lot going on and it's just incredibly written and it's beautiful. The whole game is beautiful. Mine hex game is, you're probably going to argue this, uh, is the Colonel's Bequest. (laughs) which is an older Sierra game. And the reason I am putting it on here is because I played that game when I was quite young. It did scare the hell out of me. I was scared of I was scared of everything as a kid, you guys. I don't know how this happened. I'm pointing to myself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where this came from. I don't know how it happened. But once upon a time, I was scared of everything. And the Colonel's Bequest had that ambience that was just very frightening to me. So it is based off a whodunit type of a format an agatha christie story if you will very closed circle people are getting murdered in this mansion and you are basically playing detective you're trying to figure out why people are dying and how they're dying and how how to protect yourself essentially there are different endings for this game based on how you play it so if you're very observant if you talk to everybody if you examine everything if you figure out the story you'll get a better score you can actually do nothing in this game. <laughs> you can just talk to people and that's and not figure out anything. You get all the way to the end and get a low score. And instead of being deflated by that, I think I was encouraged by that. I think I was like, oh, there is more. What did I miss? What did I do? Like, I got to figure this out. I think it's a good murder mystery mechanic. I think if you like Agatha Christie, it comes across as a cozy. And like I said, it is 
more difficult to get yourself in a, in a bad situation. You're going to beat this game. Right. Whether right. you like it or not. Yeah. If you keep playing, <laughs> you're going to come to an end. I, I, that's the thing. You're well, going to get an end. That's Colonel's Bequest is you don't get yourself into an unwinnable situation. You can die. And you can die in some really absurd, stupid ways. Like, you can't walk down the middle of the room. I know that pisses it's, you off so Why much. would you do that? Like, I know they warn you. So there's a, there's a <laughs> chandelier in the like the foyer of this game. And when you walk under it the first time, so they, they the character mentions something about how it doesn't look stable. And then the second yeah. time you walk under it, it crashes and you die. But that's for the rest of the game. So anytime... I mean, and it's it's anytime also you, like it's also making noises. Anytime and like, you walk through the foyer, you have to walk along the edges of the, and you walk through the foyer <laughs> like fifty times, and you have to walk through the along the edges of the room because you know that if you stray too close to the middle, the chandelier falls and kills you, and it's game over. It's the <laughs> stupidest thing in the world. But there's a really lot of feel about really the chandelier. cool things about this game and yeah so like i'm saying you can die but you can't get yourself into an unwinnable situation you can get to the end of the game and have absolutely no idea what happened correct unless you go back and you learn yeah. and you learn from it and now especially as a murder mystery person that i am i just really appreciate the mechanic yes it is an older game so there are frustrating elements to it it's not talky you know but there's just something about that game, man, <laughs> when you first play it. Even if you don't win and you get through it, you're like, oh, I did it. I got through this somehow. I'm going to try that again, you know. But yeah, I, I really love the Colonel's Bequest. Uh, I will say uh, if this sort of retro style of the Colonel's Bequest uh, bugs you, but you are interested in this style of like type of gameplay... Uh, 2017's The Sexy Brutale has a very oh, yeah. similar sort of uh, gameplay loop to it. Where, uh, But it, it's yeah. designed around you playing it multiple times. It's designed around you losing or not figuring things out and playing again and getting another clue. Do you want to hear something hilarious? What's that? So the, <laughs> the first time I played this game, it's in middle school. My very best friend. And only friend, Kim. Kim, if you're out there, thank you for the memories of, uh, Hi, of the Colonel's Bequest. Hi, Kim. Uh, she came over. We played Colonel's Bequest the whole evening. We did not find the armoires that you move for eavesdropping. So okay. <laughs> we knew nothing about the end. Nothing. We got there having no clue what the heck just happened because we never figured out how to eavesdrop and that's actually a very important mechanic this game utilizes like an eavesdropping mechanic and it is very so you, important so you never learned one thing not a single thing <laughs> not a single thing we like... went into the rooms and everyone's like oh hush hush she's here again and i'm like oh no they're not they stopped talking and then did i would even... leave <laughs> did you even find any of the dead bodies or were you just like, yeah just like Okay. Because oh yeah, that would people be, were dying. That would be extra funny if you never found the dead bodies either. <laughs> the game was said you just got to the end and they were like, "Oh, thank God I survived." And you're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what? Where's everybody?" No, and that's what made it like also feel like we were doing something, even though we yeah. weren't doing the the correct thing. We weren't exploring maybe enough. 
and we didn't know the eavesdrop mechanic was so important, um, we still got through it and we saw all these dead bodies. And man, it was yeah. scary at the time. <laughs> I just walking onto a screen is like, up oh, there's a dead body. Okay, so my next game, this was a tough one, but I, I'm going to go with uh, Telltale's The Walking Dead. Okay. Because I feel like what this list needed was the choice-based adventure game. The adventure game mm. where, uh, sure, there's some puzzles. They're not great. There's a really strong story. I think Walking Dead, uh, at least Walking Dead 1, has an incredibly strong story. Um, and it's And the graphics are fun. They're like sort of comic books turned 3D. Right. Everything's got a, a sketchy edge to it. Right. What it what it shows that none of these other games show is this idea of different paths, right? There's a moment, um, I think this is in the first Walking Dead game, right? There's a moment early on where you are holed up with a bunch of survivors mm-hmm. and you have this, uh, and zombies attack, right, obviously, and you have this option to save one person or another person. And whichever person you don't save, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, and sorry if this is spoilers, but I think they both survived. But whichever person you don't save, that person now knows you just didn't save them and you <laughs> intentionally didn't save them. And that Brutal. is, a, and that becomes a huge thing for the rest of the game. And there are other parts where there is like, you can save this person or this person. And if you save this person, they're with you the rest of the game. If you save yeah. the other person, they're with you the rest of the game. Like your choices legitimately change the way the rest of the game develops now. Yeah, that's true. It's true. This is a game where your choices really, really matter. As much as they can, right? Like, there's a lot yeah. of people that point out how similar the stories are no matter what path you take in these Telltale games. And that's that's a fair criticism. But your experience is going to be a lot different in some very significant ways. And you, as a person, will feel like you just let another person die, right? You right. are going to feel the emotions of that moment exactly the way that telltale wants you to. And I I think that is an important like addition to this whole genre. And I would say it's accessible too. I think that it is a very accessible way to play adventure games. Right. I, I agree. And I mean, walking dead one has some kind of bullshit (laughs) point and click puzzles. (laughs) Every adventure Uh, game does to be honest, you know, I think it was the walking dead games a little better when they, uh, got away actually from inventory puzzles and got more oh, okay. into just linear story that branches off in multiple directions and yeah, like you're that. just making choices and you're interacting with people and you're deciding what parts of the story you want to engage with the most okay what's your next game so this is technically my last one now i did put an extra one in case we had conflicting not conflicting. That's exactly the opposite of what I was. And let and I, I put an extra one in case we had the same one. We did not, yeah. surprisingly. So that's great. So, you know what? I'm actually gonna go with Hobbs Barrow. I'm actually putting that on my essential list. I know right. it's a newer game, but I think the puzzles in that game are so great that it's one of the more accessible games. It's a great story. It's easy to control. There's not, I mean, I'm 
I, I guess you would call a seasoned adventure. We are seasoned adventure gamers over here. We grew up on really bad logic, so we're very good. <laughs> we're very good at adventure games. Put me, put me in a room with a piece of string and some rocks, and you, you have no idea the amazing things I can do. You put me near a machine that needs a crank, and then you hide that. You hide that crank. We will find like that crank three miles away. Yeah, I'm gonna get that machine running. I'm gonna find that crank, stick it in the machine, and I'm gonna crank that crank. We know how to use cranks over here yeah. in adventure game world. That being said, even though we've played some of the more challenging games, I still think that this game is very fair. And on top of that. It's got that uh, it's got that retro aesthetic. It's a pixel pixel art game. It's very retro looking. It's got brilliant voice acting, and it it's very traditional point and click. That is how it plays. It has fetch quests. It has dialogue, and it's it's great. It's I really I can't believe how much I enjoyed that game. And now I kind of recommend it to people who haven't played one, um, or any or very few. I would say <laughs> I I started no. playing Hobbs Barrow with somebody else. And they absolutely got into it, having never played an adventure game. Now, I'm going to raise some challenges on this one. Um, You're so argumentative. Number one. Well, that's that's what we're here for, is uh, to, to, to really dig these things out and discuss them. So are you worried about recency bias here? Are you worried that this is not mm. what you would choose if this was a month from now? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Do you feel like this treads some of the same ground as unavowed? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'll just keep going with questions then. Yes. If we're not gonna next, elaborate next question, Fine. please. Next question. Uh, <laughs> I think it's interesting. We do. We have very few games on this list. We don't have any uh, modern point and clicks that show a modern graphical style right like we have mm, yeah. two retro pixel art games and then two like what three legitimate retro pixel art games like that were made I at mean, the time when that was modern I guess firewatch <laughs> firewatch it has newer graphics it looks good yeah i guess what i mean is like there were there are games like um roki right or mm. i'm trying to think of like modern point and clicks that do not rely on pixel art graphics. And so I think Hobbs Bear is a great game. I would also recommend it to anybody. It's not that I think this is a bad choice. I think maybe we should just state for people, if for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you don't know adventure games, there are adventure games with modern graphics, right? Like there are what? adventure games with three. With I don't like, think so. <laughs> With, like, well-rendered 3D graphics or modern cartoon-style graphics. Uh, or live-acted. Live-acted. Live FMB very, has come back. Or very stylized artistic graphics. Yeah. Uh, I think there's just something about when you played these games back in the 90s, you just love to see more pixels. <laughs> like, I just yeah. enjoy looking at the, like, what people can do with pixels even on yeah. modern computers it's just interesting that we look at pixel art as like retro art when really right. i don't think it ever should have died to me it's as modern an art as anything else you know what i mm. mean i think creation of pixel art 
doing it's just a style to me right. it's not a thing of the past that is a style that uh changes and evolves you know i think we would have called i think they would have called it a style because there was a point in time where that was all you could do like there were right. people making pixel art that didn't didn't want to be making pixel art that was just the best they could do right I think that's a thing that um, we run into when people are frustrated about old Sierra or LucasArts developers coming back and making games that aren't pixel art. They're like, hey, you sold out. Why aren't you using pixel art? Well, it's like pixel art wasn't a style choice in 1991. It was the only thing you could do. Right. But it does, but I think you're right that at this point now it is sort of, it has become a style and people have sort of owned it to its own artistic form. Would you consider Return to Monkey Island modern graphics? Yes. Okay. But I can't, we can't put another Monkey Island we're not gonna put, No, list. no, we're leaving it Hobbs Barrow. I, okay. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to raise some uh, questions. And then move on to my final game, which is Tex Murphy Under a Killing Moon. Very interesting choice. This is also a classic game. It is. There was Sierra and there was LucasArts. This is back in the early days of adventure games. And then there was this like this studio, uh, Access Software, who is doing these series of detective, like silly detective games called Tex Murphy. And the first two were pixel arty and I love them, but they're very, not very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And then the third one, they changed it up. Uh, and Under Killing Moon is FMV. It is, uh, there are live actors that are yep. filmed in front of a green screen and then placed <laughs> in the game. Uh, and you're seeing actual actors have actual performances. Which um, I love, by the way. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. I love live acted games. Yeah. I think they are the best. And they're walking around. Uh, I, it's still, you're looking at static images, sort of like mist, right? It's 3D yeah. environments or it's 3D appearing environments, but it's not actually 3D. It's a it's a still image rendered in 3D and then you're looking for hotspots and clicking them or you're clicking an arrow and then moving on to the next scene. It's a funny game. Yes, it, it is, is a humorous it, game. It has really good inventory point and click puzzles. It has... Really, yeah, the acting is interesting, and I think we needed an FMV game on here. We needed a full motion video game in here. I was thinking that too. I, I almost put Contradiction on here, which is a modern, oh. a more modern FMV game. But I think Tex Murphy is a good choice. It's got a vibe, you know. It's got, it's got a aesthetic. vibe. Now, there is a thing about Tex Murphy games where they all this is this is I think across the board is they start very good the beginning of any tex murphy game is great the middle of any tex murphy <laughs> game is great the end of every tex murphy game is like uh, it's like they went too long and got bored with the game and we're just like oh, okay no. let's just put something here <laughs> right yeah. every single tex murphy game the last hour or two hours is like it's like they gave up <laughs> stephen king ending <laughs> have you noticed that Stephen King cannot write an ending they are all yeah. fairly questionable <laughs> and and to be fair endings are difficult to write like so, have you yeah. seen some of my videos sometimes I end it with like <laughs> and that's it 
Roll credits, I guess. It's it's hard to conclude things, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things about the Tex Murphy games, though, is there are logic puzzles in most of the Tex Murphy games. And logic puzzles just basically means rather than diegetic puzzles, rather than something that comes out of the environment, it's like it takes you to a different screen where it gives you mm-hmm. some sort of like uh, a, a puzzle that employs logic, right? Like it's yeah, like, like a slider a, puzzle. There's a logical explanation. There's a way to get through this puzzle, math puzzles, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Like you could have that puzzle outside of that game. You could take yes. that puzzle, come up with 90 variations of it, and it could be its own game. So Tex Murphy has those and they rely on them so much more heavily towards the end of all their games. Oh, uh, I see. It, this is an in, this is incredible problem with their final three games, um, mm-hmm. Pandora Directive, Overseer, and uh, Tesla Effect, where again it just it feels like they stopped making the game. <laughs> it feels right. like they were just like, I don't know, just throw something in there. I think Under a Killing Moon is maybe uh, the best one in terms of how the community feels. Do, do you yeah. think so as well? I think that one's pretty much championed as the best one in its series. I agree. I th- Yes, I think Pandora Directive is a close second, yes. but Tesla Effect, again, the first five, four, five hours of that game are definitely, without a doubt, hands down, 100% the best Tex Murphy game that they've ever made. Because that's a newer one, Tesla Effect. Tesla Effect, yes. Yeah. The last three hours of that game, uh, I guess it's like, uh, I'm looking at it on Steam now. I played it for 10 hours. So I guess maybe the first like six hours, six, seven hours of that game are amazing. The last three or four hours of that game are, it, it's the worst. It is it is oh. worse than anything they've ever made. That's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I, oh, I don't like to hear that. That's really unfortunate. Uh. So because if you're be saying the final three hours, that's a lot. Yes, <laughs> that's a lot it is of a lot, time. And it, it is really frustrating. And uh, they've remade a lot of the... And this is another thing. They remake the, tes, the Tex Murphy games, right? Um, yeah. The first game was called Mean Streets, and it was not good, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, again, I liked it because there was a real deductive detective element to it because there was a text parser you had to input the words you wanted to ask about so if you hadn't figured something out you wouldn't be able to ask about it it wouldn't be a just a text choice you could click on that's true you would have to know it and you'd have to type it in i thought that was incredible and it made me write things down on pieces of paper and really figure stuff out but mean streets has these like uh side scrolling shooting segments Uh. That are ridiculous, and half of the game is an open world flight simulator, like a three D flight I didn't simulator. Even know that. Yeah, that is that is unbelievably bad. So they remade Mean Streets in 1998 as a game called uh, Overseer. Oh, right, and it was I, done. In I the, did not yeah. know that. And it was done in the style of Under Killing Moon and Pandora Directive. Uh, and then they've been working on this game called Poisoned Pawn since 2015. We don't know if it's ever going to come out. I think it's been canceled by this point. But uh, years and years into making this game, the Poisoned Pawn, they decided it was going to be a remake of Overseer, which was a remake of Mean Streets. No! It's like, <laughs> stop remaking the game. It's like, 
you remade the same game twice it's just it's just a tragedy it's just there was so much potential that was never fully lived up to i think that just kind of is what happens with the uh the games that have a the series games there's always going to be not a perfect series you know you can kind of you can compare that to king's quest or space quest there's going to be like bummers in there um yeah i just think that's the nature of it i just i i think they were they never made their perfect game they always were trying to make the perfect version of tex murphy and something got in the way every single time and they never fully made that game and i it's just a bummer it's just a bummer that the the perfect tex murphy game was never created except for under a killing moon which <laughs> which i <is> think your... <laughs> i don't think it's yeah i don't again i don't think under a killing moon is a perfect game by any stretch i think it's a good example of fmv it's a good example of another take on the point and click adventure genre um that's very different than lucas arts and sierra mm-hmm. from the time uh so okay so let's 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 read down our list real quick uh do you okay. want to do it because I've been talking about Tex Murphy for do, a while. Do you want to go what do you want to go one by one? Like I'll okay, do yeah, it and then you'll do it. do it? Yeah, you do mine, I'll do yours. Wait, what? Yeah, you okay. do you you read mine, I'll do I'll read yours. Okay, fine. Okay. Secret of Monkey Island. King's Quest One. Return of the Oberdin. Curse of Monkey Island. Firewatch. Unavowed. The Walking Dead. Colonel's Bequest. Tex Murphy under a killing moon. And Hobbs Barrow. Nice. There you go. That's... And Halo. <laughs> That's Save Your Games list of the 10 essential adventure games. You play those, you'll know, know what we're everything. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you're just going to know everything. You could start a podcast now. Hey, Roses. Yes, Matt. Do you want to take a quick break and then come back and uh, hear me tell you all about some of the Next Fest <laughs> demos i've been playing <laughs> yes i do i'm gonna okay. go feed my cat and we'll be right back We're back. Hi, Matt. Uh, so <laughs> what we thought is that we're still trying to figure out like the format of this podcast, but we thought we would end most of them uh, with sort of like, <laughs> what else have we been doing? What else have we been, what non-adventure game stuff have we been doing? Yeah, because we're people. We have lives. We do stuff too. Sorry. I don't know why I got defensive. <laughs> we want to recommend like, oh, I've been playing this non-adventure game, or oh, I've been reading this book, or oh, I've been watching this TV show or movie. So, unfortunately, for this episode, the only thing (laughs) I want to talk about is more adventure games, and I'll (laughs) explain why in a second. First, uh, Roses, what have you been, what non-adventure game things? Oh, well, (laughs) I've been, I have a life. Okay. I've been doing things. I... Oh, I started a video on The Company of Wolves, which is a horror film starring Angela Lansbury. So I watched that and got that together. And I have been doing diamond art. (laughs) And 
I <laughs> look, I I sneezed the other day and there are little tiny resin pieces all over my home that I'm never going to find. <laughs> and I'm at peace with it. Diamond art, I think, <laughs> uh, I, I was talking to a friend about this the other day uh, because everybody's doing diamond art these days. And I have this feeling that, do you remember in the 90s, people would do those things where you uh, you had like a, a, a sheet of cloth with a bunch of, like a picture and a bunch of colors on it. Mm-hmm. And you would pull little bits of yarn through oh, the cloth yeah. and you would end up with this yeah. like shag carpet picture oh that's coming back man well so thrift stores in the <laughs> late 90s early 2000s were full of these things because everybody was doing them <laughs> in the late 80s and early 90s and then nobody wanted them i have a feeling <laughs> in the 2030s Every thrift store is just going to be full of diamond art. Oh, like like finished diamond art, like diamond art pieces that are in yeah, a frame. Exactly. Because I framed mine. Yeah, I think there's going to be <laughs> framed diamond art all over the place. So I, I mean, does that mean you don't want the diamond art picture that I made for you, Matt? Uh, what is I it? Is it, it Guybrush Threepwood? No, it's a computer. Oh. <laughs> It's a computer that's saying hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I made don't it go just for you. Just don't get at any thrift stores <laughs> in Pennsylvania over the next couple of years. Uh, what now? What? Roses, I'm really excited to tell you about these Next Fest games. So, do you know what Steam Next Fest is? I actually did not. I did not know what this was until you mentioned it. Okay, so yeah, so Steam Next Fest is every year. They do what they call a celebration of upcoming days and they of upcoming days of coming games. And they do seven uh, days like they do a full week of demos and uh, uh, developer live streams and nice trailers. So I went to the adventure game section. As, as you do, as Steam's one does. Next Fest. And I downloaded basically everything that was there i was like i'm going to (laughs) check out as many of these as possible and let's see uh i put them all in a folder so i could have (laughs) them grouped together so let me see uh wait but we just talked about this and you've already like downloaded everything and have played a bunch of them i haven't i've played a couple of them um Okay. What I what I think we should do, I think me and you should do a full episode about these Next Fest demos and I think like maybe next episode we should talk in depth about some of these. Uh cuz yeah, there's some really it. interesting ones. I've downloaded 51 demos roses. Uh, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> So if, I had, I had yeah. such a reaction to that that I actually hit my mic. 51? <laughs> yeah. So I've played about 7 of them. Okay, and that's pretty impressive already. I just, there's a couple that I want to talk about right off the bat. Uh, and again, we can talk about them more in depth next week. But And the unfortunate thing is by the time this goes up, these next fest will be over. And so Aww. some of these demos might not be available. But these are games that you can look forward to. And some people leave their demos up. So you might not be able to get some of these demos that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But... These are games that like you can look forward to because some of these are really wild and really cool. Uh, the first one uh, I want to talk about is Botany Manor. It is a 
it, it looks like an escape room game, right? You find yourself mm-hmm. in this house. Uh, you find yourself in the green room of this house. It's 1890. Uh, and there's clearly puzzles around right like there are there's like a a cork board with numbers and figures and charts up on it there's like a letter on the table that you can pick up and read what you find out is the way to solve the puzzle like the first thing you come across is you're in a like there's a lot of smog so you can't really see so the way you solve that puzzle is by growing a flower that processes smog and (laughs) All these kind of like escape room puzzles are built around figuring out how to make the flower grow. Well, that's cool. I, I'm looking at the screen, the screen captures here, the images, and it yeah. looks lovely. It actually it's, looks very pretty. It's very peaceful. It's very calm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like an escape room game mixed with like a, a flower growing simulator. And so like you have to find out, you have to identify what the flower is, where it it was native to what type of environment it grows in so that you can figure out what temperature to set the Mm -hmm. heat to. So you can plant the flower, put it in front of the heat and then watch it grow. And then it'll filter out the smog. There's other puzzles that are kind of like that as you're walking around this manor. My one complaint with it is that the manor's a little too big. (laughs) So I was going to say like, this is starting to sound a little complex. It's really fun but yeah you're gonna have to do a lot of running back and forth like run back to the seeds and then run up to the uh you know you're searching the manor and you're finding these letters and then you got to run back to the seeds and plant the flower put it in the pot and then you're gonna have to take it to the next spot that it needs something that will help it grow it's but i'm really excited for it it's called botany manor it is by uh who's the developer balloon studios and the publishers white thorn nice. games awesome what else i like flowers i like growing stuff next game i want to talk about is called cabernet it's technically an rpg but it's an rpg in the way that like uh pentiment was an rpg mm-hmm. um where it's I, I don't know if there's going to be combat. It doesn't seem like there is, but it's more about building, uh, like your stats, your RPG stats are uh, science, art, logic, and history. And they just help you have different dialogue options and different ways you can interact with things. Kind of like a- Yeah, I mean, it, you were so excited by this when you messaged me about yeah. it. You're like, I'll play this one. It is spooky. <laughs> I thought this would be one that you would love because it is spooky and it's the developer and publisher's party for introverts, which I've never heard of. Uh, okay, this yeah. M- Not familiar with that one. It doesn't look like this is their first game, but it's the first one I've heard of from them. And I played about an hour of this game and it was, oh, wow. it was, it seems like something really special. Right now, it's the demo is very buggy uh, and I lost a lot of progress. <laughs> Um, yeah but it gave me a real good feel for the game so if the demo is available i still suggest checking it out and yeah that's called cabernet similarly there's a game called sky of tides that is way more graphically intense uh it's a little bit more like it's also an rpg but again like an rpg that uh does not seem combat focused it seems more like you know what it seems like uh like Quest for uh, Glory? What, no, what was that game uh, that um, 
everybody was really into. It was an adventure game. It's also an RPG. Oh, 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 uh, a Disco Elysium? Yes. Okay. All right. It seems very inspired by Disco Elysium. It's got that sort of isometric feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. But you're this woman. It seems like your grandfather is part of the system and your fam- the rest of your family is part of the rebellion. And you have to choose which side to take. I didn't get very far in it. And okay. it seemed like most of the scenes were based around dialogue choices and each of the dialogue choices gives you like a boost in your stats like they level up your stats and it the game tells you your uh goal is to keep your stats as even as possible and if one of your stats gets over leveled or under leveled it might cause like consequences right your stats being intelligence courage compassion humor luck and uh I think that's it. Uh, so they're all personality-based stuff. The weird thing about it is it mostly seemed like you were walking around environments trying to find objects. Okay. You're just like, As you do in adventure games, right? Right, but you don't... It's not like they go to your inventory. It's just like, you found this item, plus two to intelligence. And each item has like a little bit of like lore attached to it, so it's like fun to find the objects, but like... I don't know. It doesn't excite me as much as the other ones, but it was still, I thought, notable. Mm-hmm. But there's only, and there's a bunch. I like, I like this isometric thing. Like, I yeah. sometimes I don't. Sometimes I really don't like that style yeah. in adventure game. But part of that reminds me of Sanitarium. So I have, like, a right. little soft spot, a little fondness. And that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Absolutely. There's one more I want to talk. There's a lot more I want to talk about. But there's one more that I just need to talk about before we get to like before we do an episode on all of these and it is this game i don't know how people are going to feel about this game i oh boy i cannot predict it feels like it could be an absolute phenomenon or this could be a game that everybody makes absolute fun of because it it's a very uh it's a it's a sincere game that like the sincerity borders on silly but it mm-hmm. is a like a puzzle adventure, massively multiplayer online game. Okay. So you're like, I want that. So you, I very much want that. You create this like this angelic magic fantasy character, and the character creation roses is so wild because you pick a skin color, and then you pick skin luminescence. And then you pick skin sheen. And then you pick skin. (laughs) So, like, you're just adding layer and layer and layer. And there's, like, six of these of color upon your skin. And it's so, so strange. And then you get tossed into this world. There's a very, like, light but very heady narrative. Like, kind of, like, psychedelic kind of um, spiritual almost. And then you're thrown into this world where it feels like it seems like you guys are solving puzzles to unlock some sort of ancient wisdom that the world mm-hmm. needs to exist. I love that. Something like that. But you're running around this environment and there's all sorts of other like you see all the other players running around just like in a massively multiplayer online game. Yeah. But you're each just running up to puzzles and then standing there and solving puzzles. A lot of them are perspective based puzzles. Okay. 
So, Pers- so perspective and meaning like there were perspective based in the witness where you're like moving the camera. Sort of like that. Yeah. Uh, there's a, okay. there's a lot of witness vibes in here. Like there's, because there's definitely some, um, there's like these grid based puzzles where it's like connect all, you have a whole grid that you have to fill with either black or white tiles. And they'll, some of them are already filled in and it's like connect all the black tiles, but I see there can be, you can, you're not allowed another rule. Like you're not allowed to have three black tiles in a row or right. connect all the black tiles, but also connect all the white tiles or I'm trying to think, Oh, or there's a number and it's like, uh there's like a white tile that has like the number three so that means like there can be three white tiles attached to it okay and so you'll have to figure out how to fill all these numbers while also doing something again like connecting all the black tiles in between them uh so real logic based but then there's these perspective based puzzles where it's like find an angle to look at the series of rings where you're looking through all the gold rings, but none of the purple rings. I am so bad at those kind of puzzles. I I am so bad at them because there were a few of those, like I said, in the witness. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I didn't I didn't grow up on them, you know? Yeah. I mean, these puzzles are and they're wild. Like there's 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 one where there's a bunch of dot like uh, orbs floating in the air and you have to find the right angle to look at the orbs. So they form a circle. And then you click in the middle of the circle and you've solved the puzzle. I played this game oh God. for four and a half hours. Is that why you weren't answering my texts? <laughs> Stop it. Because so you were doing logic puzzles for four hours? So I <laughs> I got to level... I, I, I leveled my character up to level six. So you get these... Yeah, you solve these puzzles. You get like points and you use them to level up your character. Like I got the double jump. <laughs> I got <laughs> I got wings so now I can glide in the air. I got a, 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 a like a turbo jump so I can fire myself up in the air and then fly on the wings. It's I am so into this game. And again, I, I can't tell if it's good or if it's just speaking to a broken part in my brain. <laughs> and I don't know if when this game comes out, people are going to be like, this game is a revelation. Or if people are going to be like, this is the stupidest game ever. Can you believe these nerds are playing it? And I'm going to be one of those nerds. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll find like its niche audience and you're one of them, you know? Yeah. uh, Perhaps. So the demo (laughs) is pretty open-ended. You can play it as long as you want, but there's just like uh, areas that are blocked off. Uh, Another warning, it uses your Steam name as your character name. So if you have a Steam name that you didn't mean to be public, you might want to think about that before you start the game. Uh, Time to get my secret second account out. I found somebody in the game that uh, there's somebody running around that made me, their name made me laugh so hard. Uh, <laughs> their name was, and this might just be like a publishing studio, and so maybe I'm the way I'm pronouncing it is not the way they intend it to. But it it was so funny. Their name was Call Me Games. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to unpack. It it can either be like Call Me Games, like my name is Games. Yeah, call yeah. Me games. Call Me Games. Call me I'm names. here. I'm playing games. Call Me Games. <laughs> or it could be Call Me, comma Games. <laughs> but right, I 
I figured I thought it might be like a, a developer called and their game studio is called Call Me Games. I was laughing so hard at the idea that somebody is just named, hey, call me game. I'm your friend who plays games. Call me games. Yeah. They call me games. Call me games. Call me like, games. oh, I ride I ride a motorcycle, so they call me wheels. So oh, I play games, they call me games. Uh, so anyway, I didn't That's I don't cute. think I even said the name of this game. This game's called Islands of Insight. And I uh, again, I don't know if it's a good game or a bad game. Also, the last thing I'll say about it, the load times on this game are really crazy. Uh, that might improve, though, agree. over time. Because this is currently a demo. Yeah, agreed, so, agreed. The game's not yeah. even out until... Actually, the game comes out in a week. It comes out on February 13th, which is, like, I think the day this episode might be published. Yes, it is. <laughs> wait, right? Or we're definitely... We're, wait, no. We're recording. We're recording on the... We're, so we're by the time we're putting an episode out on wait whoa 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 Sorry. back it up yeah we're putting an episode out on Valentine's Day yes and we haven't done anything <laughs> for Valentine's Day oh missed opportunity <laughs> yeah we get everyone's favorite holiday Valentine's Day people are gonna be so upset that we're not talking about <laughs> everyone's favorite holiday the one that has no problematic aspects to it and that nobody has trouble with at all valentine's day i mean we could have talked about leisure suit larry looking oh, for love in all the wrong place <laughs> but so interestingly yeah this game will have come out the day before this episode releases nice. if you guys want to if you guys want to find me online Run around islands of insight. I will. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll be running around solving some logic puzzles. Solving some. Lo I will. I will try to be there as well. Uh, just fumbling because yeah. I'm not good at logic puzzles. So I'll just be yelling and probably rage quitting within I don't know, like ten minutes. I'm gonna make sure to be on the day this game comes out. So when you listen to this podcast, go, if you listen to it the day it comes out, go look for me in Islands of Insight. I don't know if there's servers. Like, I don't know. I no idea how this game works. But uh, yeah, go look for me. <laughs> Do it. If you want to play a game with Precious Boy, Matt Aukamp, <laughs> this is your opportunity. I think next week, we should break down some more of these demos because there's so many really cool adventure games that are part of Next Fest, and they're all games that will be coming out over the next year or two. You guys can probably look forward to that in the next episode. Roses, do you also want to tell them what else is coming up in the next episode? Well, yes, I do. We have okay. an interview with Julia Minamata, who is the developer of the Crimson Diamond, which is a Colonel's Bequest slash Laura Bow homage let's say i actually did a video on it on there there was a demo that she had put out i did a video on that so you can play what she has out you can watch my video we're gonna talk game dev and probably laura bow we're probably gonna bore matt to death <laughs> just talking about laura bow <laughs> laura bow best female character ever am i right sure yeah she didn't seem to have much. I haven't played Dagger of Amramra, but she didn't seem to have much of a personality in Colonel's Bequest. You know what? You shut your gob. <laughs> All right. I did. <laughs> I'm not joking. I did a whole video about about Laura Bow being a great female protagonist. So check that out if you want to hear me babble. Based on Colonel's Bequest that. or based on both games. Both games. Okay. Yeah. Maybe uh, yeah. upon playing Dagger of Amramra, I would get it a little more. This has gone 
so long. I think it's time we wrap up. Uh, everybody, you can email us at mattandroses at gmail.com. Send us your questions uh, or your compliments or your anger. That still makes me laugh. Our email makes me laugh. <laughs> it's just the most prosaic sounding thing. Yeah. Matt and Roses at gmail.com. What's up? What was our outro from last episode? Uh, it, uh, Matt and Roses signing off. Oh, podcast is art. Artists suffer. Ha, 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 ha.